Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature, so listener discretion is advised. So when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time. Hello, this is the Old Time Crime Gals here, and we thank you for joining us this week. Me and Melissa were just talking. This is Shannon. Melissa, like she said. And we were just talking about last week. We know we were a little bit disheveled in our (laughs) storytelling time. Um, This man that we're talking about, he's just got some complicated history. Yeah, there's there's a lot of first wives, second wives, possibly third. Yeah, a lot lot of craziness going in. But if you haven't caught up, go back two episodes. We're talking about Harold Henthorne. And basically, he's like a... Male black widower kind of sort of. Yeah. Well, that term's usually given to women, but I think I read the article where they named him that. But yeah. yeah, he has a habit of making his wives disappear under eerily um, suspicious circumstances. Yes. Um, and making it look accidental. So we talked about. I think last The first were, episode yeah. was about Tony. Which was the second wife. Right. Because it took her death for them to figure out what was going on in his life. So then that prompted the investigation into his first wife, who was Lynn. Right. So this time we're going to talk about a third victim and we're going to wrap it up. So this will be the last episode about Harold Henthorne. Thank you for hanging in with us. Yes. Please, if you want to hear about the other two instances, stop and go back and catch up. But if not, welcome, and we're going to continue our, our little ride here. So Beth Shot, that was the name of the ISB special agent that you were talking about was so great. She, of course, yeah, this is, I was um, impressed with her. It's from Wild Crime on Hulu, uh, if you want to check that out. But she was the one who basically handled the investigation. So they were trying to figure out what happened and why it happened, obviously. So they were thinking that maybe he had a mistress because of all those business trips he was taking. That's right. Um, so what they did was they got his cell phone records to figure out what was going on. And one thing they learned was that he was always texting and calling someone by the name of Grace Rochelle. Grace is, how did you put it? How is she related to, she's not related to him by blood. Right. So she was his first wife's brother's Brothers. wife. <laughs> So, Lynn, his first wife, yes, sister-in-law by marriage. By marriage. Yes. And so, they always called and always text. They were constantly in contact with each other. So, they were thinking, well, maybe this is the mistress. She had four kids. She had four girls. And December of 2007, she went through a separation with her husband, Kevin, which was Lynn's brother. And Harold kind of weaseled his way into, like, their family, was, like, hanging out, being the cool, fun uncle, taking care of the girls, helping her along with that emotionally, and they were always talking and texting, but his Tony knew about it, Mm -hmm. and he told Grace that he helped single women pick their life back up and get themselves together, and, you know, Tony (laughs) knows about it, Lynn knew about it, like, this is what I do, because I'm a fundraiser, and I help nonprofits and churches and, and, you know, kids, and I'm such a great guy. See, and I'm sorry, but, <laughs> and if you see the pictures, if you go watch the episodes, it's creepy because he's in pictures with Christmas, like, yeah, well, and it's, sometimes it's him, his wife, and then the, the other lady, so he'll mm-hmm. be in the middle of both of them, and it really looks like 
there was something else going on, like a relationship, but there wasn't. There so wasn't. I'm sorry. He is a weird, creepy dude. Because when you have that much to do with other women, that it was just odd. I mean, yeah. And he, but he get and see. I'm thinking, my husband, you're gonna be helping this single woman get back on her feet. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be a part of that. So that's not. Yeah. It was weird. If you get if you but get a chance she, to watch the show. Yeah, when investigators interviewed her, she's like, fine, I'll photo items, I'll tell you whatever you need to know. Like absolutely nothing happened. It was not a romantic relationship. He was just helping her through this hard time. He wanted to help her so much and set her up for the future and take care of her girls that he gave her an insurance policy. So and, yeah, so this comes out <laughs> as to why. But it's still weird. It's weird. not it's about money and not romance. Weird. But he explained it to her that this is for your girls. They're the beneficiaries. If anything happens to you, they're taken care of. And so she was like, okay, how could I not accept that from this wonderful person who's helped me through this horrible time in my life? I mean, they lost their house right at Christmas. It was just a, a bad situation for, for her and the girls. So she accepted it because it was something that would better their life in the long run. And she would, like, flip through their photo albums. Like you said, it would be, like, her and her girls next to their Christmas tree, and then he would be there, like yes. the dad of the family, like holding inserting himself inside yeah. the family. Wonder what her ex husband is their dad. Did we ever? He was interviewed, and he said that at the time that things happened, he kind of inserted himself and distanced his own children from him. Gotcha. So it's kind of like, like we're we don't need anything from you because we're getting this from. He divided his loyalty. Yeah. Right. So they didn't. And. Even the girls were interviewed as they're older now, looking back, was like they felt like maybe they were the family that he kind of wanted. So he was like just pretending that they were his family, even though they weren't kind of sort of like filling a void because he really wanted a a daughter. And he pressured Lynn in the beginning, but they never had any children. But then when he got married with Tony, she had Haley. So it was just really just weird. Um. So, in March 2010, the divorce was final from Kevin. This is Grace's relationship. They split in 2007. 2010, everything is final. So, she wants to start over completely. So, she wants to move. So, she's going to move to Texas and get a new job, take the girls with her. Harold was not happy about that because that was not in his plan. Right. He wanted her to move to Colorado where he got Lynn to move, where he got Tony to move. Right. And she didn't want to do that. And he would, like, constantly call her and leave her angry voicemails and come off as controlling. Like, he, after all I've done for you, after all I've invested in you, you can't call me back. And it's, it's and, obviously not about her then. It was about him. Right. So his true colors are coming out. And she's like, no, this is just, this isn't cool at all. So she calls his broker or calls him and says she wants the policy canceled. Mm-hmm. Like, you did this for me. It's done. So she goes on about life thinking everything's cool. But then all this stuff happens and the investigation is running. And so they, um, the ISB sits her down and said, well, you know, you have an active life insurance policy on you. Wow. She's like, no, 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 it can't be. I had one. It was a long time ago. I called. I got him to cancel it. Like, no, it's on. It's $400,000. And the beneficiary was Harold Henthorne. Mm. And didn't he have something else attached to that? Like if she died a certain way? I think that was on Tony's and Lynn's. That was on Lynn's. And if it was an accidental death, it was double, double, it pays out double. Um, 
but no dollars were listed. It was just straight $400,000. He was the beneficiary. She had no idea it was still active, and he was still paying on it to the end of that, that particular year. Wow. So clearly he was working his way yes. to make her his next paycheck. Yes. And the policy was actually created prior to Tony's death. So he was already setting it up before Tony. Tony. This guy was a creep. Mm-hmm. So then they start looking at the money trail with the insurance. So Lynn, the first wife, she had a large policy as well. And several months before Lynn died, they got insurance on each other. Okay. Which is common and is a good thing to have. Yes. In the event that you're taking care of the household, me and my husband both have one on each other. So in the event that something happens, the house is paid for, we won't have to struggle. Right. That's right. Not for the purpose of pushing you off of a cliff. Yes. Hasn't made me that mad yet. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. So it's a smart thing to have, but not with the intent to get the payout. Um, So she already had insurance. And then, so it was like a $300,000 policy. Okay. And then that was the one that had, um, he got over $600,000 for because of double indemnity. And so Tony, now in the beginning, she was a surgeon. So she was already probably insured mm-hmm. and making a bunch of money. So during, she had lots of insurance. Um, and only during the first interview where he wasn't lawyered up yet, he told investigators that she had one policy on her that was worth $1 million. But then they're going to fact check that, of course. So then they got an insurance fraud investor investigator to look at everything. There was three different carriers that had issued policies on Tony. So in 2001, after they've been married for a year, they had $1.5 million. That was one policy. In 2005, there was another $1.5 million policy after they had Haley. And then in 2008, there was another $1.5 million policy. In total, she had $4.7 million worth of life insurance on her. So he would have received a massive payout if anything happened to Tony. So what happens, like, with what happened with her and something happens? I know if you're the cause of it, like, if you killed them, then you don't get the money. But how about the daughter? I see. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that works either. And it's not because I'm trying to plan something. I was just curious. (laughs) Everyone's going to go look at your paperwork a little bit more. <laughs> they won't find anything. No, I mean, I think they would be, someone would be entitled to that, I'm sure. But I don't know if it's it has like, to be in the paperwork or yeah. if it's like, if it cancels he was supposed out. to get the money, then no, then yeah. no one gets the money. Well, that's true. If she's not the beneficiary, then you're right. Then she wouldn't get anything. The daughter wouldn't. Right. So. He was. So make sure that <laughs> your people are listed on your paper that you're going to have the money. If something were to happen to you. That's right. To prevent this from happening. But so obviously, um, you know, once he got her out to Colorado, he controlled everything. We talked about how he would monitor the phone calls. And um, her mom, Tony's mom, almost went like a decade without having a private conversation with her daughter. He isolated them. And um, then that incident that we were (laughs) couldn't figure out who it happened to did happen to Tony, the second wife, where he threw the... Two by four log or something over the deck. She was bending down to pick up a broken light bulb or something, and it hit her in the back. And of the he back. decided to do this after dark when their daughter, I think, had gone to sleep. She was already asleep. Weird. I just, I don't know. 
I, see, I, I would bunk that. I would say, no, why are we going out in the cold when it's dark? We can get it normal. Um, you can pick up a light bulb if you want to pick yes. up a light bulb. I'm not going out there. <laughs> well, another thing was the, the criminal profiler, he would, um, she explained that he, he picks those women, right. the good Christian, old-fashioned Christian women that think the man is the head of the household and you're always supposed to follow them and, and you know, not go against the grain or anything like that so that he would be able to manipulate these women. Yeah, well, they had to be a little, you know, easily swayed, too, because... Yeah. I'm not picking up a piece of broken glass no. in the middle of the night. No. I'm sorry. Especially because you got mountain lions and bears. And... You're in the mountains in the cabin. Yes. Snow. You're the man. You can do it. Yes. <laughs> For tomorrow morning. Yeah, tomorrow up. morning when it's nice and bright. Oh, but yeah. It, it Obviously, we would not last that long in a, in a relationship like that. Um. So. We wouldn't be chosen to begin with. You know, we wouldn't. <laughs> And I'm proud of that, but it is sad for these women. So then they, you know, they started looking at his um, the cell phone records, where it was going, where, what did, what was he doing after Tony had passed away? And all those business trips that he was taking didn't need to happen anymore. Right. <laughs> he stayed right. local. He didn't go anywhere. That's true. Because they figured out that all those little trips, tracking his cell phone, were to the exact cliff where he pushed Tony off. Like, yes. he was seeing how long it would take to get there, how long to come down. How fast he could get there, and didn't he go sit in a restaurant? Um, he would go and sit. I think because the waitress, or it might have been a coffee place, they recognized him whenever he would come in, and he would sit. Like when he got on these trips, he would go sitting there all day uh, to kill time. Yeah, and then he would, like you said, he would go map Up out the place. Yeah, yeah. And, and then he would come back the next day. But they did get a warrant for all of his things like computers and stuff like that that was in april of 2013 and because he's a pack rat who kept every single piece of paper for 20 some years they found boxes and boxes and boxes of all his tax returns and everything else that he had kept and so for like 20 years he had zero income wow no job nothing at all he was just living off of these insurance policies were his his paycheck and the women Crazy. that he manipulated. Yeah, the like, surgeons. He had, to, and yeah, he had to start out with something. Like he had sticky notes from like, where what did I tell you, christianmatch.com or yeah. something like that where he found these women. And he would write like, Tony, doctor, Mississippi, like looking yes. for these high profile women who were on their own and making money that he could take advantage of. That's right. What a creep. Yes. But the family, the Bertolays, they were worried about Haley because now he had total control over Haley. Which was Tony's daughter. Yes. Marriage with Tony. There was a birthday party, like her five-year-old birthday party that a neighbor went to that said it just felt very scripted. Like, we're just having this because we're having this. Like, he controlled everything she ate, everything she drank, kept a baby monitor in her room when she wasn't a baby anymore. Because wow. he was just complete total control. I mean, and he they feared that he would try to mold her into, of course, someone like he, you know, yeah. someone like him. So the Bertolays, they stayed in contact for over a year after Tony's death. Mm, that had to be so hard. And having the suspicions that he did it, yes. knowing that he probably did it, but wanting to make sure they stayed in contact with Haley because they didn't want her in danger. Because, and they were helping the investigation. Yeah. Because the way the criminal profiler, any if you're a stranger, you weren't in any threat to him. But the closer you were to him, he would probably hurt you. Mm. So Haley was probably... 
It makes you in danger. Yeah. Because the first time she said no, or you get a rebellious teenager, yeah. and he can't have that. So, I mean, he just would have yeah, probably know. done something horrible. That's true. So, they actually arrested him on Tony's parents' wedding anniversary. So, that was kind of like the little gift they got. Oh, was we poetic justice, Harold today. And so, then they, you know, put him in the car, and they're taking him to the U.S. Marshal's office. So, it was the, um, let's say her name was Bethany Schott. It was her and another agent, and then the driver, Beth Schott, who were having to ask them all these questions, because they're required to ask these questions. Your name, what's today's date, you know. What's your occupation? So they got the occupation, and he just got real quiet. And they were like, well, what do you do for a living? And, you, and then you, were, you don't have to answer. So he said, fine, I won't answer that question. Because he knew that they knew he didn't have a job. Yeah. So then when they get to the marshal's office and they're booking him, it was a young female officer who was taking his fingerprints and putting them in. And she's asking them the same questions. And she gets to occupation. He immediately flips to, oh, I'm a nonprofit fundraiser who helps schools and churches. And, like, just spewed the whole story out again. And wow. the other two were just sitting there like, really? He is psycho. So, and that's crazy. <laughs> All because of a young girl that... So he was actually charged for first-degree murder, and they asked for no bail because they believed he was a flight risk because he had the money to back it up. He could have bailed himself out, but he had started to move money, and they figured he would try to, like, take Haley and leave the country, and then they wouldn't see him again. So they did hold no bail, so he did have to stay in jail until his trial started. So in 2015, he was convicted and sentenced to life in federal prison. And still says to this day he did not kill his wives. I but come on out. Proof, yeah. <laughs> Going and mapping out the place and taking those suspicious trips where he was mapping out the place and acting like he had never been there before. So do we know even though with the map in the car with the big X? Yes. <laughs> the big cartoon, X, I was here. Yeah, X marks the spot. So the daughter, I think we talked about she went to stay with some friends of the family that they had um arranged previously if something had happened to them that's where she would go she stayed with him for about 14 months and then um went back with the Bertolais I believe um of course this was a four episode part where only <laughs> I kept that last one short uh, but she's doing fine she's okay, doing good because that had to be hard she's like she's cheerleading and she's in college or has been to college and she's she's much better off than having, of course, to live with Batman. Yes. So he's in prison where he belongs, and their family got justice. And I wonder, how about her mom and dad? Do we know if they're still living or not sure? Uh, I do not know. I do not know. Because they were. I know. I like asking those questions. (laughs) (laughs) I'm usually prepared. That's okay. So we are thankful that you guys listened, and we realized this was a little shorter, but it's shorter. But we've already covered two whole episodes. So go back if you didn't listen to it. um, He had two wives, and then a third one that kind of sort of he was trying to work his work his. I just he's just an odd person to. Yeah, he just wanted that control and. I know that had the, the third lady, which was really, she, what was her name again? The Grace. Grace. That had to have been scary when she realized it and for her children. Well, to make you an aha or awe moment, Kevin, the husband, and her actually got in contact again and were talking because they were both compa- comparing notes with the Rochelles and 
um, the Bertolais and they were figuring out like what had actually happened. And when they compared notes, it was, they were going to dinner. It was like around the same time. It was like, everything was so eerily um, similar and parallel to both those instances, but it got them talking again. It's cool. Especially I don't know about it's like they were ever got back together or anything. How did you think I was going to I know, I know. Right. I don't, I don't know if it brought them together to the point of that they're back. It was good for their children for them at least be talking to each other. So, yes. Well, thank you for joining us. We will be back next week for our season. Yep. Season finale. Probably do a wrap up, maybe some Q and a, um, reflect on this season. Talk about which stories we like the best. Okay. Kind of, sort of. And then have a surprise story. Yes. yes, That we have to agree upon. Yes. (laughs) We will come we, up we with are, a surprise We are fly story. by the fly. Season two might be a little bit more organized. I don't know. I'm a fly by the seat of your pants kind of gal. <laughs> so so. And I'm sure half of you out there are. If you're organized, we think you're awesome. I don't um, have those skills. I don't either. So when you have two that don't have those skills, it comes together. And we have fun. And we hope you enjoy listening to us. And So come back next week. Yes, next Thursday. Actually, this today will be Veterans Day. So... Um, just happy Veterans Day. Yes, thank you to salute everyone who serves in every branch of our our government. Yes, very appreciative and thankful for those who have served and still do. So enjoy Veterans Day tomorrow. Remember, and so if you um, we'll see you next week or we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, if you have an episode suggestion, if there's something you would like to see in season two that we didn't do in season one, if you have. Um, any criticism, as long as it's not hate mail, um, <laughs> you can send that to us at gals at gmail.com. And so we'll be back next week. Just remember, if you do the crime, it's going to catch up with you in time. And we'll talk about it. <laughs>